Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! Hey, let's make this Memorial Day weekend very memorable. Let's save some money at SaveWithConrad.com. What about a summer vacation from house payments? That's right. No house payments in June or July. You're done until August 1st. And come August 1st, you're going to have a better mortgage. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Omar in Tucson, Arizona. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com, and he said, From the minute I requested information to the day my refinance was completed, I was treated with respect and kept completely in the loop. I had already given the information to multiple friends who are looking to refinance. Thank you so much for all of your help. And thank you for your business, Omar. Let me tell you this right now. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30-year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Even worse, if you've got credit card debt, you might be feeling stuck making the minimum payments. Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of all that debt once and for all? Just like that. SaveWithConrad.com can make saving money fast and easy, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. What a rip. No, you have a big There's one. no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. Say something I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. Thank you, Bruce. I love you. Hey, 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 you.
machine. Goddamn, kid. Goddamn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What say you? Pronoun. Ow. And now, something to wrestle with. Gone, Bruce Pritchard. Eat the second most wretched now. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard, a very special Sunday edition. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Bah humbug. Hey, it's not Christmas. That's right. You know what? I'm carrying it over, man. I'm carrying it over. What? Anger, mood, attitude. I got it all today. How the fuck are you? Man, better than I deserve. It's uh, probably not. That's right. It's probably not the Memorial Day weekend we had planned, though. Yeah, well, as you can see outside my windows, it's pouring rain. Yeah. Pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly going according middle to middle of plan. the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, there you go. Happy fucking Memorial Day. <laughs> actually, Memorial Day is one of my favorite holidays because we, it's when we remember those people that actually served and made this country that we live in free for us and our children. So to all of you brave men and women that made that happen from the deepest of my heart, thank you very much. I wish that I could celebrate the day, um, but it's not about us celebrating. It's about what they did for us in the past to make this future of ours free. Hey, let me ask you, what was your time in the combine? My time in the combine, uh, 4.1. I was going to say that, that uh, that's one of the fastest backpedals I've ever heard. I mean, really great job on that. You were very nimble, very quick. I think you're going to do well. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, you're shirtless today. I just noticed that. Yeah. We've been talking for like 45 minutes and you haven't noticed. You ain't got no clothes on, do you? Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was quite the evening here at the Connor Addison last night. I'm in my, I got my little slippers on, got my little shorts, got my Beatles hoodie on. I can even put the hood up like this. Watch this. Boom. Boom. I can put the hood on, but uh, there you go. That's yeah. my invitation. If I had a towel, I'd be somebody else. But right no, now I'm just. No, no, no. Um, Here's the know. deal. Put, hold hold your, your pointer up like that. Like I that. want you to say BP phone home. <laughs> BP phone home. <laughs> Ladies BP and gentlemen, we've got Bruce in a good mood home. this morning. Despite what he says. Uh, I'm excited about this one, man. You and I have, uh, been looking forward to finishing our Kevin Nash episode for a while. You looking forward to it. I love talking about Kevin Nash. One of the most interesting like, like Kevin Nash. I, I fucking find Kevin to be extremely charming. I, it's one of those things. Kevin can be one of those negative ornery motherfuckers in the world, but God damn, is he fun to talk to? He is a very entertaining son of a bitch and uh, the real life Kevin Nash. Uh, he is super entertaining and we're glad to be trying to entertain you today as we cover part two of him emphasis on trying folks, because there are three kinds of people in this world. Those that give their best shot, wait, those that try 
goddamn, almost fucked up my own shit. Those who try, those who give it the best shot, and those who do whatever it takes. So we're going to do whatever it takes today, Connie. Oh, wow. Because, see, while there are three kinds of people, there's only one four-time Hall of Famer. We even discussed this. Very briefly, but if you want to go ahead, do you want to tell everybody what the check number was when you wrote that? Ain't no check, man. Ain't no check. No, you don't buy, you can't buy this shit. You earn this shit. This isn't the kind of karate that you go down to your local fucking, uh, goddamn strip mall and write a check for your black belt. No, I earned my black belt. I earned my black belt hall of fame. First person ever to go in the black belt hall of fame. wasn't a black belt. Went in as a brown belt and first person ever to get four. You're the only four time. So in the only four time black belt hall of famer, Chuck Norris is not, but Bruce Pritchard is. Nope. Steven Seagal's not, but Bruce Pritchard is not even a fucking goddamn black belt. God, if I Steven Seagal, I whip his ass right now. Where is he? I don't see him. You know what? Cause he's afraid of getting his whoop ass. Well, let's get Steven going. Seagal. Fuck him and his Aikido bullshit. Where are you at on John Van Damme? Actually, I love Aikido. I was very good at Aikido. But fuck, Seagal's an asshole. Fucking uh, Judo Gene LaBelle has whipped his ass so many times. Judo Gene LaBelle at 119 will be able to fucking kick Steven Seagal on Steven Seagal's best day ever in his life. I didn't know you were. you had such strong feelings about Steven Seagal. He's a little, I'm not a fan of Steven Seagal at all. Arrogant, just not, no. Where are you at on uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme? Um, nice guy. Super nice guy, man. Uh, I don't know that much about Van Damme other than he's a pretty nice guy. Uh, misunderstood. You know, he went through some drug shit and people, he got the big head for a little while. But it happens in that world. Seagal, though, it's, I don't think that, that Van Dam Van Dam was a very good martial artist and, and pretty good. But he was a good-looking guy that rode that fame. Seagal, just not a good person. Just not mm. a nice person in general. And But you are, right? Are you are you debating that? No, I was just sharing with the audience. That, like, oh, but you are. Like, like I'm not. I was just telling the audience oh, that you doing. See, I can see your big little fucking eyes looking at me like, oh, but you are. <laughs> yeah, that's what this whole show is going to be, motherfucker. So buckle up. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, we return to the diesel story with uh, Kevin Nash being the WWF world heavyweight champion. And he's about to team up with Shawn Michaels as two dudes with attitude. Uh, before we get started, the WWE network on Peacock or whatever it's called now, just did a feature on these two that you were heavily involved in. Do you enjoy doing these, uh, behind the scenes documentaries for the network? Cause you're great nope. on them. You hate it. You don't like it. I like it. Why not? Well, um, I I'm, <sighs> Okay, but gosh, Bruce, you do a podcast and you talk about all this shit. Did you notice most of the stuff that we talk about has all been talked about before by someone else? And I was just trying and put a truthful spin on it from a different vantage point, not from a hearsay vantage point, not from a uh, some little 
bitch in California typing on his little typewriter that he doesn't even know what week it is because his office is such a shambles. Um, spin on it. I, I, so I don't know. Um, I think they're, they're beautiful pieces of work when they come out. They're, they're pretty good, but it's, it's little shit. Like, uh, my hair looked like shit in the Shawn Michaels, A and E deal. And that was their fault. That wasn't your fault. Yeah. It was their fault. And okay. here's why, because when we do our shit, most of the time we have hair and makeup there. They don't. Well, so yeah, it was my fault. I didn't brush my hair out before I fucking did it. So yeah. Well, fuck them for letting you look like you look, you know, why, right. would, they, why would they do that? Oh man, man. It was like, it was parts of it were like sticking up and shit. It was, it was horrible. You need to talk to somebody about that. How dare they let you look like you look. Thank you. Uh, nonsense. I'm a damn good looking man. You got to put up with that kind of shit. Yeah. I ain't got to put up with that kind of shit. So let's talk about in your house. Number three, this one went down September 24th, 1995 in your favorite Saginaw, Michigan. You were telling me the other day how much you love Saginaw. Anyway, Diesel and Sean. I love Saginaw. I see Amway Capital, right? I don't know. I've never been. Tell me all about it. Regale me with your stories of Saginaw. Well, I, I, I'm probably going to get corrected by someone, uh, but I think Saginaw, Michigan is the Amway headquarters. Are you familiar with Amway? Uh, yeah, my grandfather was in Amway. Yeah, did you ever get pitched to Amway pitch, man, about McDonald's and they show you about flipping burgers and all this stuff and no. how you can duplicate things and, and how the main guy that did McDonald's, uh, this used to be their pitch until the founder came out, but about how the <laughs> guy at McDonald's, about all the money that he made because he had so many people and he was able to replicate that system all over the world. No, I didn't. Well, that same thing can happen with Amway. Really? Yeah. Sounds like you've got some exciting information to share with us, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, no, we, I just don't have the cookies and uh, Jack and Coke to be able to get you to sign up. And is it true that we could make a bunch of money even in, in, on a part-time basis, Bruce? Oh, on a part-time basis, actually on a no time basis, because you would have so many people working for you. <laughs> no time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You've got people working for you all over and guess what? Guess what? You don't even have to worry about payroll. Uh-uh. You know why? Because those people working for you, they pay you. Isn't that great? You're working. You've got a job. You've got a company. You are the boss. And everyone working for you pays you. Want to hear a kicker? I'm ready. I love this one. All the people that work for them. They pay you in perpetuity. You know what that means? Forever. Brad asked me what happens to the people that work for the people that work for the people that work for you. What happens to them? <sighs> they get rolling. They pay you all the way down the line. So it's kind of almost like you're sitting at the top of a pyramid. Everything below, you, everything below you feeds back up to the top. You know, one day it's a, we it's, should, it's a great scam. I mean, um, one day, Bruce, we should blow this popsicle stand out here, you know, telling stories on podcasts and you writing about pretend fights. What if we just said, forget all that. And we, we started doing a pyramid scheme, made some real money. What about God. that? I, dude, I've got that down. I know. I mean, you just sold me. 
it's awesome. I don't have to do Cause payroll because we'll they're paying the me. I love it. We will sit at the top and you know what? We'll do a damn podcast about doing that. About what we used to do. <laughs> what would we call it, Bruce? Pritchard's podcast. Oh yeah. I just has money dripping on it. What do you think about it? Conrad. <laughs> I finally got my name on the show. I'm so excited. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us, Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer-lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is wrestle to receive your first month free. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, so it's diesel and Shawn Michaels in the main event, taking on Davey boy and Yokozuna. They're going to go 15 minutes and 42 seconds. So the story here is, uh, Owen Hart isn't going to show up to the pay-per-view. So because he's injured and can't compete, uh, Davey boy has a replacement. Um, gorilla monsoon is going to order Jim Cornette to either send Yoko in alone or pick a new partner. And of course, uh, we know what's coming. The dudes with attitudes get the win, but Owen does miraculously show up, but it doesn't matter. He's power bombed by diesel. The pen is counted three stars. So now Shawn Michaels is the intercontinental champion and a tag champ. Diesel is the world champ and a tag champ. Of course, we overturn it the next night because Owen wasn't the legal man. He had technically been replaced in the match. What did you think of this creative and this brief moment where uh, the two dudes with attitudes had all the gold? Yeah, I thought it was stupid and it sucked. Why didn't you like it? I didn't. Why the fuck? It's, it's an old Gary Hart finish where in the middle of a match, <laughs> sometimes Gary would roll in the ring. Yeah. And the guy would pin Gary and they'd ring the bell. So the baby face went over without his guy getting beat. Right. That's what it was. It was the shits. And you hate it. I did hate it. You just think it's a cheap way out. I did not like it at all. Who's who's creative. Would that have been? Do you think? Uh, it might've been bill Watts's or something. I don't know. So let's talk about the observer. Uh, just as the cameras faded to black signifying the end of the in your house pay-per-view show in Winnipeg. A disgusted Vince McMahon threw down his glasses and his headset and said the words horrible as he started to walk to the back with Jim Ross while a pull apart brawl with Bret Hart and diesel was still going on in the ring. Seconds later, 
As the brawl ended, Diesel, the person McMahon had planned to build his company around just one year earlier, was being booed out of the building. Yet another in a long line of failed experiments in the quest to find a new Hulk Hogan. So Meltzer would continue that it's pretty much unanimous that the crowd is, is not happy with diesel in the main event here. And he's saying that this probably means Bret Hart is going to be used like Ric Flair. And they just slide him in whenever the next failed experiment fizzles. What do you remember about Vince at the end of this show, being upset, taking off the headset and the glasses saying horrible stomping around to the back, any of that ring a bell. So. So Meltzer was backstage and witnesses and was reporting on him. Cause that's what he does. He's a reporter, right? So I guess I'm not asking you to debate what was written in the observer. Well, I'm, I'm asking where the information came from so that I can verify that information. I'm asking, did it happen or not? I don't know. I don't remember. Do you remember? Was it significant enough to me that, that I would have remembered that. Um, so that's why I, I, I'm curious as to where he would have gotten that information from. He must have been right there, you know, because he's so smart and has all this inside information. Was Vince upset? I honestly don't remember. I know I was. Why were you upset? I didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't think that it did anybody any favors. Why and I felt it was Gary Hart. You know, Gary Hart was great as a booker. But Gary sometimes would would put himself in positions where he, that he had no way out sometimes with the talent with which he was involved and would do that bullshit finish. And that's exactly what this was, was a bullshit finish. So you're upset with the finish and, and, and you're suggesting that perhaps Vince was upset with the finish. He's not necessarily upset with, with, uh, diesel. He may have been upset with Diesel. I, I think that overall, this was kind of one of those times where you're you're looking at things and your desired response is not is not coming um, for whatever reason. And it's you have a live fucking audience every single night that can give you feedback instantly. And if it's not the feedback that you're looking for, most of the times. You can go look in the mirror and go, oh, okay. Well, shit, man, that sucked. Hey, did you go to geico.com yet? Take me through uh, back to that night. Is this where you could pinpoint sort of the bloom is off the rose with Vince McMahon and diesel in terms of Vince realizes, you know, this isn't working. I've got to make a change. I don't think you could pinpoint any one night. I think it's an accumulation of, of more than one night. It's a feeling. It's a trend. It's when those boos and or that lack of enthusiasm from the audience over time that you go, okay, well shit, this isn't working. You, you can't just go off of one night's response. This may have been the one that put it over the edge. I don't know. So uh, we know it's coming though. We're going to book a survivor series match between, um, Brett and diesel, but first we're going to talk about the next in your house pay-per-view where he's taking on Davy boy. And this is not another great match. Meltzer would write diesel retained the WWF title beating Davy boy in 1814. Virtually the entire match was Smith working on diesel's left knee. Smith ended up posting, posting diesel outside the ring and slapped hard at ringside Hart jumped into the ring and went wild on Smith for a DQ on diesel for outside interference. Diesel then attacked Hart for costing him the match to build up their singles match on November 19th and the show went off the air with the pull apart, pull apart brawl. So one star, 
another bad matchup. Not great. Tell me about the progression of the diesel character here and what you guys are thinking creatively at the time. Well, I don't think it was necessarily working and it goes back to day one of, okay, here's, here's diesel and he's your champion. We want him to be this big baby face. So he's going to lead everybody in prayer. And then, uh, <laughs> let's sing, you know, hi, ho, ho, ho green. No. Um, so song, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you. Yeah. And, and he ceased being diesel. And okay, well, it's Kevin Nash. Diesel is Kevin Nash. He was at the East Tennessee playing basketball, and oh, what a what a quarter he had one time where he scored four points. And uh, it's all of a sudden everything I loved about Diesel went away because he became Kevin Nash from East Tennessee uh, University and a basketball player that got hurt. Uh, everything that was cool about him went away because somebody felt, God damn, we got to have credentials. You got to have credentials. You got, you, you got to tell a real story about these times. He, he could have been, he could have been two and a half time all American. Nobody gives a fuck about that shit. They thought diesel was cool. He kicked people's asses. When he stopped be ceased to become diesel. What the fuck? You know, the, the, that, and then when you, you, you figure that out midterm, it's kind of like, ah, eh. The audience overall was enthralled and they were intrigued by Diesel. They weren't intrigued by Kevin Nash in this point in time. Do you remember having a discussion with Vince about that? That perhaps you had you guys had gone too far to sort of blur the lines of Kevin Nash and Diesel? Oh God, no, I remember how I remember begging almost not to do that goddamn sit down interview that they did way back when with, well, Kim, t- tell me, tell me about your college career. Tim, what, what t- tell me, tell me about Kevin. We killed him right there in that, in that, in that moment, we killed what we had spent all that time building. Are you trying to just be entertaining or was it really Jim Ross? No, that's, that's 100% truth. Hang on. I didn't even finish what I was saying. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always entertaining, but that's still the truth. My point is the primary driving force in that creative, in your opinion, was Jim Ross. He was pushing forward on the other side pretty hard. Pushing that, that in order to have a champion, people would believe in that you had to give them real things to believe in. And yet the real story, but yet not one time would you sit there and fucking take Hulk Hogan. Uh, t- now tell me, Terry, yeah, yeah. when you were in the band and you know, you pay play bass, right? The fuck would ever bring that up and why? Right. Why do you want to, this is, you know, diesel was a character. Kevin Nash was a person. Yes. The audience was in love with the character. Right. They didn't know the person. You keep the person mysterious and a mystique. When he becomes just like your buddy that went to college at East Tennessee and played a year on the team, what's special about him anymore? Yeah. He's like I everybody can, else. I can relate to him. You you don't want people to relate to your top megastars. Yeah. Psst. Hey, go to com. Pass it on. You're pretty fired. But I, do you disagree? No. 
I think you're on the money. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I think your point has also been, and boy, me and you sound like assholes when we say this, but if you're going to brag about a guy's amateur career, he needs to have been a badass amateur. The idea being, you know, it's one thing if you bring in Kurt angle and you, you know, parade him around as the Olympic gold medalist. But while Kevin Nash played division one ball for the Tennessee volunteers, not East Tennessee, it's not as if, you know, he got drafted in the league and blah, blah, blah. So he didn't, while he was obviously a much better athlete than you and I would ever be, it's not like he became Michael Jordan. I think is your point, right? That is my point. And and I'm not taking any way, anything away from his college career. Of course not at all. It was basketball. Yeah. If. Kevin were now on the Cleveland Cavaliers and That's different. he was playing basketball. Goddamn. I'm going to talk all about that shit. Yes. But now he's diesel. Diesel didn't go to fucking Tennessee. And, and diesel has now excelled in the world wrestling federation more than Kevin Nash excelled at basketball is your point. 100%. There you go. Okay. So Davey boy, why was the match just a miss? I know that diesel has had great matches with guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, you know, in the MMA community, they say styles make fights. Is this just a styles clash with Davey boy and diesel? Because Davey boy is not really the fly around and bump for you guy. 100% Davey boy is a powerhouse guy. Davey boy is one that has to be the, the powerhouse in the match. And you're not going to do that with a big seven foot fucking bastard like Kevin Nash. So uh, if you, I'm not saying this to be funny, but if you know that, and we know that, why does it get booked? People think it's an attraction that they'll open their wallets for, and they don't really think about whether or not it's any good. Well, sometimes, you know, the greatest matches in your head that you think that are attractive matches on paper don't always work out in the ring. And that's what happened here. You, 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 I think we can trick ourselves into believing that my God, you know, they're, they're two, they're two guys that are competent that can go out and they can make up for the shortcomings. They can make up for the differences in styles and make this thing work. Didn't happen. You know, you don't hit home runs every single time you're at bat. No doubt. Well, let's, uh, baseball analogy and I hate baseball. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico.com. What are you waiting for? By now you've got to know that you can save cash when you bundle both your home and auto, whether you're a homeowner or a renter, you can still bundle and save at geico.com. Seriously. Don't take our word for it. Go get yourself a quick quote and find out how much money you can save for free. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring this very special edition of something to wrestle. Let's talk about the big meeting in Cincinnati. This is in the observer from November 13th, 1995. Vince McMahon had a surprise meeting with the wrestlers at the November 3rd house show in Cincinnati. Don't have much in the way of details, but it apparently was to combat the poor morale of late with the cutting out of the money losing B shows. A lot of paranoia has started and some of it is justified with half as many shows. The mid card guys for the most part are going to work a lot less dates and make a lot less money. And the underneath guys will, for the most part, have it even worse. Even the top of the card guys are concerned since they'll be on the same show. The feeling is the money will be cut up in a manner where it's split more with top guys. So even the top guys will be earning less. The idea is that if in the past you had undertaker and razor on one B show and you had Sean Brett and diesel on the a show, then none of them is ever more than three from the top. 
Now, one of those guys is going to be five from the top, which is a lower spot when it comes to making money. The guys were also upset about several shows that have either been canceled or should have been canceled, which would leave them on the road away from home in the middle of a tour for a day, making no money. In the WWF wrestlers only get paid when they work a show. So if a mid card guy is cut from 20 dates down to six or eight, his income will go down 60 or 70%. Some guys are being cut down in dates even worse. And they are guys who go on a month without bookings at all, and therefore have no income. However, the company can't go on running shows that lose money for the company. So wrestlers can have work. So it's a complicated issue. 95 has always been fascinating to discuss because business is down. And I think there's always something to learn when you rebound. And we know the story, the WWF is going to rebound very strong, but it feels like we're knee deep in cost cutting mode here. What do you remember about this time? And specifically this meeting in Cincinnati, it's a rare appearance for Vince on a house show. Well, business was a shit. Business was, was kind of in the toilet and we were in a place where you're looking at your business and so much of it is, you know, in the red and it's, it's not good. So one of the loss, you know, the, the biggest losses is when you're looking at B shows and or C shows that are a drain and everything that you may have made on one show is completely eaten up and taken away by the other shows. Um, or you just have two average shows that would maybe have just been one good, decent a show for lack of a better example, but it, it was a period where do we want to continue running all of these markets and running as many shows as we are, or should we just run shows where we're going to make money? And the decision, you know, comes down to, all right, we're going to run one show. Now, would it have been better maybe to cut all those people loose? Maybe it should, maybe we should have, right. Maybe we should have, well, there was hope that we would turn it around and, um, that's just kind of where we were at the time. And it was a meeting to go out and address it with all of the talent and face them before it got to TV. TV is a horrible, a horrible time and a horrible place to try and discuss things like this because you're trying to get your, your television produced. It's a terrible yeah. time to do business. So he makes this appearance and is this the story or is that, was that another town where supposedly he's on the phone with the quote unquote click and decides to come in? No, this, this was to come down and address everybody while they were all at a live event. How do you, uh, what do you remember of the meeting? How was it received? Did you feel like, okay, everybody's at least got a clear vision. It's not like he's down here spreading joy and happiness. He's trying to just manage expectations, right? Yeah. I think people are kind of like just now looking, you know, now looking at their bank accounts going, okay, what the fuck? Um, I'm going to have less opportunity to learn. I hope I'm on the events. Let me spell it for you. G E I C O.com. That's Geico.com. Let's talk about the, uh, the observer again here, because it feels like we've got a bit of a situation. The status of the intercontinental title apparently changed regularly over the past weekend. Razor Ramon faced Sid and what was announced live as a non-title match with one, two, three kid as a referee on the October 23rd taping 
and the match that aired on November 13th with Sid winning due to kid helping him and completing his heel turn was billed as a title match on all television leading up to the match. The plan was for Sid to come out of the match with the title, a plan that was changed after superstars action zone and mania were taped midweek. The cover story announcement was made early in the raw show of it being a non-title match with the explanation given that gorilla monsoon had considered what happened at the house shows over the weekend and Nassau Coliseum, Worcester and the Meadowlands and smelled a rat. The word amongst the wrestlers is that Sid who left the tour because of a family emergency was pretty upset after being promised the title and having it pulled from him and that Hunter Hearst Helmsley will eventually be getting the title from Ramon. This has caused major morale problems because people see it was the click controlling the championships again, and people believe that different rules apply to them compared to the other wrestlers. Of course, the fact is the leadership of the click is scheduled to be losing to the WWF or the WWF title to Bret Hart this coming weekend. So there aren't any signs that that decision is going to be reversed at the last minute. So tell me about how this changed and why it changed to the best of your recollection that Sid was going to be the intercontinental champ. And now he's not, I don't really remember other than I believe Sid went home. Sid went home upset and was a softball season. Oh, I don't know. I don't think November is softball season. It may be in, uh, Tennessee and Arkansas. Yeah. So you just, you, you view that as just Sid being said, no reason to be this way difficult. No, but it's, it's, it's easy for people to make shit up and create stories that, that aren't necessarily there, but I mean, a lot of time on your hand or your hands, or you're not even there. It's easy to create shit. Well, and also too, you know, paranoia and wrestling is a thing. It's not just for newsletters. It's for guys, right? All the above. And then they call newsletter guys and spin their own stories. So let's talk about the 95 survivor series. This is the big match that uh, I think everybody should go out of their way to see if they want to watch one diesel match from this era. It's Bret Hart pinning diesel in 24 minutes and 54 seconds to win the title. There's a big spot here where Brett goes flying off of the apron through a table. That's of course the Spanish announce table. It was tremendous. And, uh, he, he sets up a jackknife. He being diesel pronouns, pal and Brett small packages him. And pins Diesel, and then Diesel sits up furious and mouths the word motherfucker. And it's pretty cool. Three and a half stars. Great match. Love the finish. The, 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 the silly table spot that has been overdone to death was brand new back then for the WBF. I love this. What'd you think? I thought it was excellent. I, I thought that the, the match itself was probably one of the best matches that uh, Diesel had ever had. And it told a great story. It was a very simple finish um, that worked. It was believable. Anybody can get caught in a small package. Of course, afterwards, Diesel just goes nuts. He jackknifes uh, Brett twice after the match. He's attacking several referees. He's being booed by a large majority of the fans. And JR and, and Jim, or JR and Vince, easy for me to say, are playing it up as if this is a full-blown heel turn was this way overdue at this point do you think or was this the right time to turn diesel full-blown heel no i thought i completely thought it was the right time to turn him because he had reached the point where the audience didn't see him as the champion and kind of saw him as the guy that was 
you know, vi- envisioned as the champion. They weren't weren't accepting it, didn't want it, weren't going to buy it. Um, however, him being a disgruntled, pissed off guy about that did work, and and that that played a lot into you know who Kevin was at the time. Kevin wasn't necessarily all that happy at the time. So now let's get that and put that on camera and put it on the air. Let's, um, let's talk about diesel here in this era. He starts to change a little bit. You know, we just mentioned when he gets pinned here, he sits up, you know, says motherfucker. You can read it plain as day on his lips. Uh, and then, you know, a a little later, not too much longer after this, we're going to see him start flipping the bird. What do you remember about, I mean, this meeting was there more to it than just, Hey guys, hang in there. Is this sort of a, Hey, let's try to get a little more adult and a little less childish because it does feel like at least with diesel, we're turning the page here and we're going to go more adult. Yeah. I mean, it was a conscious effort definitely. And it was an effort to, for our pay-per-view events in particular, to make them a little edgier and, you could definitely get away with more on them because you're not on USA cable and there's not someone that is going to censor you and say, ah, hey, wait a minute. No, you can't do that on pay-per-view. You pretty much had fair reign. It, not necessarily something you want to do all the time because of your audience, but it was enough to break character and get a little bit of a peek and, oh my God, was he supposed to do that? Because it wasn't all done. Now it's all been done so much that it's just, eh, it's a spot. Do you own your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you rent your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you have a car? Go to Geico.com. Want to save some money? Go to Geico.com. The, uh, the big title change here is not the focus very long. It almost fades into the background the very next day. Of course, this is when we're going to do the whole Shawn Michaels collapse EMT skit. Do you think in hindsight, we were just ready to move on from diesel or was it just timing of, Hey, we got this idea with Sean and it's time to do something there because it doesn't feel like 24 hours later, diesel's in nearly the same spot. Well, I think it may not have felt that 24 hours later, but diesel was still going to be in a top spot and be involved in everything. You know, sometimes things take time. It doesn't, you don't have to have every answer to every question 24 hours later after a pay-per-view. Sometimes you want to leave the audience asking questions and wonder where the fuck are they going now? Well, I guess what I'm driving at is it feels like, you know, Diesel loses the title and immediately the big story is Shawn Michaels. So it feels like, okay, Shawn and Brett are going to be on a collision course here. Was it tight in Vince's mind? Had we seen enough of diesel going on last? Obviously he can still be a big contributor. He's going to be a big player for us, but at least for now, the audience isn't digging this the way we hoped. So we're going to pivot to Sean. It it was a time to freshen up the story and change the story up a little bit. You'd had an awful lot of diesel on top. So maybe that character needed to rest and maybe it was time to just change it up a little bit. Uh, Meltzer would say besides the angle, the other highlights were diesel taking on a new badass babyface image, blaming Vince McMahon on an interview for creating a fake image for him the past year. And again, and attempting to appeal to the 26 to 34 year old male audience as a kick-ass, no apologies, babyface. Are you happy with this transition? You know, I mean, it feels like 
I, I would assume when you're, when you're saying motherfucker and you're flipping birds that in this era, that's heel stuff, you know, sort of pre Steve Austin, making it all cool, but the kick-ass, no apologies, baby face. Is that the right term for diesel here? No, I, I really believe that we were looking more for, um, a heel character, but I think that the more heel character we went, the cooler he would become. The house shows over the weekend did uh, 95,000 in Philadelphia and 163,000 at Madison square garden. That's way, way down from well, what you... I had a friend that was there. So they only did like uh, 22, 4,300 fans in Philly, 7,400 fans in Manhattan. This feels like a bad thing. I mean, this is Thanksgiving weekend. Normally those shows do much better. And for whatever reason, Fans are not turning up for it. And Meltzer would say people didn't know that Brett had won the title in time or, or, or that he would be taking on the undertaker in the main event. So perhaps you guys were just sort of marketing what you had been marketing and fans just weren't that into it. it I feel bad for diesel because it feels like he's done everything that's been asked of him, but he's not connecting with the audience and, and you're blaming really the creative and the way he was presented as the reason it's not like Kevin personally could have done anything differently. Could he? Um, you don't know. I don't know that he could, and it was creative and it was frankly, Kevin, you know, trying to, to pull off the creative and trying to be goofy, you know, crazy Kevin. Some of that was him, but a lot of that was a creative decision and that, you know, we want you to be more real. We want, you know, we want, uh, Kevin Nash, you know, from, uh, it just, no, this, I don't think that the, I, this is one of my examples I will always give of a talent really being over with the audience. And so they get over with the audience, you make the change, but then you change the talent. The audience doesn't. They loved, they loved and or hated the character you were presenting. Now, if the character you were presenting at the time wasn't working, maybe you need to change the character. The difference was, was the reason that we made the change with Diesel is because Diesel was getting over with the audience. So let's move that character into a different position uh, in the stories and make him the focal point. As soon as you do that and you in the middle of the character and it's no longer uh, red riding hood. It's now it's Meryl Streep or whoever who went to acting school at Tennessee university or whatever the fuck I wanted to hear about little red riding hood here. I've got diesel. Who's a kick-ass guy and fucking doing all this cool shit. Uh, he's just a normal guy. He's just a guy who played basketball and in, in college. Let's talk about, uh, the observer, the WWF received complaints regarding Bret Hart and diesel using chairs and diesel mouthing motherfucker at the survivor series. They're trying to do a balancing act between making it a rougher product, but not alienating any of the audience or the sponsors. That isn't going to be easy. I know it's silly, but we've talked about it so much. Tell me about diesel mouthing the word motherfucker. Was that something that is discussed ahead of time? Hey, show real emotion. Or, I mean, it's not, I I just have a hard time believing that Vince sits him down and says, now, Kevin, if you could look right at the camera and say, motherfucker, that'd be great. 
I don't recall that being something he was told, but I'm sure he was told to make it real, and that made it real. And here's the other interesting thing when, when I when I read things about, well, oh, my God, there were complaints. Do you know what complaints means? More than one. Yeah. Doesn't mean 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. More than one. So if two people complained out of the whole thing, now you got to – Take into consideration, apparently in 1990, or especially in 1995, for someone to sit down and write a letter or make a phone call, that takes a lot of effort. Most people don't do that. However, to get one or two complaints to a cable company, to them when they aren't getting complaints on anything else, oh my God, we got all these complaints? They had to field a call or two. And when you do that deep dive, because I have done that deep dive of give me a sampling of your complaints. Give me a sampling of the complaints of all these gross, you know, complaints. And during email times where you, you will receive maybe four or five complaints. And and when you dig even a little bit deeper and you realize they all come from the exact same city and or area, and they're all worded almost identically the same. And the time frame that they are sent is in the middle of the night at the same, you know, within a five hour span of time or things like that, that sometimes you got to wonder, okay, is this a couple of fans in uh, Hoboken or Huntsville that got mad at it and say, I'm going to write, I am too. Let's do it right now. So you receive complaints because you put an S on it. It's more than one. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, it may have been someone in, in the cable company that watched it and wasn't crazy about it. Um, so it was an attempt to make it more real, and that's that's what it is. Let's talk about the next in your house. This time, instead of working on top, he is the fourth match on the show, including the free-for-all. Undertaker and Brett still have singles matches after him. And he doesn't even beat Owen Hart. Owen wins by DQ because Diesel shoves the ref after using the jackknife. And after the match, he used another jackknife. Of course, Meltzer's a big Owen Hart fan, so he says Owen did a great job of carrying this. But it was only 434. Gave it a star and a half. But it feels like we're just sort of treading water a little bit here. Uh, let's get to the Royal Rumble. Shawn Michaels wins. 58 minutes, 49 seconds. He super kicks Diesel over the top. Uh, as diesel was eliminating comma. And after the match, they tease that diesel is going to attack Shawn Michaels, but instead they do their high five routine, two and a half stars. Did you even discuss a, a different piece of creative here? Why not have diesel just blow up on Sean here? Sure. Discussed it. But I think that for that very reason, why, why not have him do it right there? Because that's what everybody's expecting. I think that that's what a lot of the audience was expecting and take them on a ride. Well, nope, not yet folks. Undertaker and Bret Hart are in the, uh, title match here. And before the match diesel, uh, who's leaving the rumble meets with undertaker in the aisle diesel shoves Paul bear, which causes the two of them to square off and officials pull them apart. 
Undertaker eventually makes a comeback in the match, hits the tombstone pile driver, and then Diesel's going to grab the ref, throw him out of the ring, and the ref calls for a DQ. The idea, it seems like it's set here. When do you know for sure, or when do you remember you guys being set on? Okay, the title match is going to be Brett and Sean, and we're going to put Diesel with Taker. We we knew at the Rumble. I mean, we actually we knew before the Rumble. That's, that's what I was asking. We were going. I mean, yeah, that's where we were going. The attraction was was Diesel and Undertaker. Did you know that in November? Do you think, or did it just reveal itself? Well, I think we we knew it. You know, upon making the the, the title change, and I think it was something you know going into it that probably in December. Yes. Because you're looking at opponents for everybody for WrestleMania and undertaker diesel was a natural attraction. That was something that you didn't even really need a build for. I don't want to see those two big bastards go at it. Do you think that, uh, you guys had maybe lost some, uh, trust. You'd lost some confidence with the consumer based on the way the finishes had been lately. I mean, the undertaker and Bret Hart here in the main event is a DQ. And, uh, you know, we go back a couple of in your houses before, and we were sort of telling the same story and you admitted that you hated the finish. Do you think you were perhaps burning the audience a little bit with some, some shit finishes on top? I think that sometimes we would rely too much on, on not, but again, that's all kind of relative. And I think that that is all more along the lines of personal preference. Well, just at in your house three, we did the, the weird deal where we pinned Owen, but he wasn't in the match in your house four, it's a DQ on top with bulldog and diesel, uh, in your house five, we do get a pin with Brett and bulldog, but, uh, in your house six is sort of the same thing again. We're seeing this, this DQ situation. Um, let's talk about it. We're, we're there. And it is quite the match. Oh, before we talk about that, I do want to mention that as soon as Sean wins the rumble, it feels like business starts to uptick besides the pay-per-view, uh, in Fresno or the, the live show in Fresno did a sellout 9,600 fans, $130,000 Stockton for raw is a small arena, but it's still sold out 2904. And we also sold out San Jose for superstars. White Plains did 3000 tickets and a 3,400 seater. Uh, Baltimore did 5,900, which is like double for what they've been doing and Madison square garden. Again, remember the last time we were here, we did 7,400 tickets. Now we did 15,000. Is it that automatic just based on your top guy? Or is there more involved in that? I think some of it is more involved in that, but yes, when there are great stories that people are more interested in, it's a build to WrestleMania. You're on the way and there's a heavier interest in the product during those times is that's kind of what it has been programmed as in the last few years. So people are know that, okay, Hey man, it's WrestleMania time. Got to see what the hell they're going to do. And business was good. It's, it's sometimes seasonal in some of those markets. So people were, were ready for it. Credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account. 
where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, you can visit creditkarma.com forward slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com forward slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. There's no purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MV Banking Services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Hurry. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. I want to mention too, what a great line this is here. It's expected the March 17th show with uh, Sean and Diesel versus Brett and Undertaker may be the first non-pay-per-view sellout at Madison Square Garden in so many years, nobody can even remember the last time. So it feels like there is light at the end of the tunnel. And a lot of that is because they made the switch from perhaps it being all about Diesel to it's more about Brett and Sean. And uh, we start to talk on February 12th, or we see talk in the Observer that diesel and razor Ramon may go to WCW after their contracts expire when you're, I don't know. So I'm asking, but when you're in these booking meetings at any point, do you guys back then, not now, but back then, did you like make a list of here's our baby faces, here's our heels and try to put everybody together. And when you're doing something like that, are you also considering well, we don't have this guy resigned. This guy's only going to be here three more months. We don't know, you know, what he's going to want contract wise. Does all that play into it even back then? The contracts were for whatever two hundred fifty dollars or whatever they were. There were no guaranteed contracts at this time. I didn't mean I didn't mean dollar figures. I just mean dates. Like after the whole Lex Luger debacle, are we now more focused on? Hey, well, we don't know that we've got him past so and so. Well, I certainly would hope so because I wasn't involved in, in the contract dates at that time per se and looking, having a whole sheet that laid out, hey, this contract's coming up versus this one or anything else. That, that was somebody else in the office that was doing that. And, you know, you would hear about it when it got nut cutting time and nobody had signed. Yeah. But uh, it, at that point, no, I. The next, the next week, Vince is complaining of contract tampering and he's bringing up specifically diesel, believe it or not, the Bushwhackers and John Pierre Lafitte, who we know is real tied. Anyway, he claims diesel was offered a three-year deal by an intermediary. So not officially WCW, but certainly somebody's carrying their water for him. And McMahon tells others and diesel that, uh, he's been offered $750,000 per year. And it's written quote, most expect him to take it when his Titan contract expires in April. 
at his age with a family. If that figure is accurate, he'd be a fool not to. It's also believed WCW made overtures about bringing in Razor Ramon, who was originally a strong WWF team player in the locker room, but his mood changed with a shrinking paycheck during the fall, along with being unhappy about certain aspects of how he's been used, including the feud with Goldust. Not to mention the family issues, which are a prime issue since the WCW road schedule is so much easier. McMahon claimed with the money being offered as the word has gone through his dressing room, along with easier work schedule, it's hurt morale. Is that accurate? That somehow, some way dollar figures start being mentioned about contracts over in WCW and it trickles down and upsets the locker room here in the WWF. No, sure. Because that was what they wanted to do. That that's exactly what WCW wanted to do. Uh, better work conditions over here. Hey, come over here. We're just doing TV. And we'll give you a guaranteed contract. You'll know exactly what you're going to make. But the work schedule, the, the dollar amount, the guaranteed dollar amount was something that they had never had before. And looking at, do I want to work live events here and potentially make a shitload more money? Or do I want to go there, work less dates, and I know exactly what I'm going to get paid? Tell me how you find out that Nash has an offer from WCW. Does does Kevin come into the office? Does he meet y'all at TV? Does he talk to Vince alone? Is it a phone call and Vince tells you? How did you no, find I, out? I mean, actually, the I think, and this is my recollection, so again, this is how the order in which I found out. Uh, was Razor first, right. was that Razor had a deal and that um, Razor had been offered and not directly. I think they used at that time maybe DDP or somebody else, so it wasn't um, anyone specifically from WCW in the office going, hey, we're offering you a contract, so it would have been contract tampering. But I believe they used an intermediary. I believe it was DDP. It may have been someone else. It may have been other people that, Hey, if you came here, here's, here's a sample of what you might be able to make. And then when the window came time for them to be able to discuss and talk with other groups, they went in and they made their deal, but it was, um, letters of offer and things like that. Uh, not necessarily, you know, contract negotiations and shit like that, that was going on. But at first I heard it was, it was razor. And then there were the rumblings about Kevin Nash because, you know, both were asked, um, razor, (laughs) razor stepped up and said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about making a move. Um, if you guys could give me a guarantee and I knew what I was making, then I would consider to, to stay. Uh, Kevin said he wasn't leaving. Kevin had given Vince's word. I'm not leaving. That turned out not to be the case. What's the holdup? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. How pissed off was Vince about this, uh, quote unquote contract tampering. And is it, is it fair? I know that sounds silly, but. A lot of people would say, oh, well, Vince did this in the eighties to every territory. What's the difference? What say you? No, he didn't. Guys didn't have contracts in the eighties with, with other promoters. Guys didn't have guaranteed contracts in, in the eight name one name one that had a contract that Vince tampered with. 
Well, but I mean, even, I mean, I don't know what we're even discussing contracts for really, because Vince McMahon, I mean, you yourself said the contracts were for $250 a show or $250 or whatever it is. So but they were contracts and they were contracts. They were contracts for an independent contractor, um, to work with them. But back in the day, those guys didn't have contracts at all. There were no contracts. It was like, Hey, if I'm a booker, Hey, uh, Conrad, uh, you want to come in and work my territory? Great. Come on in and work. Let me see if you get over. If you get over, you stay as long as you're making money. Uh, if you're not getting over, Hey man, here's your notice. Go find someplace else to work. Vince was looking at it differently. Vince wanted to go all over the country. He went across looking for top talent. Hey, would you like to come in and work with me? Yes, I would. Let's there talk no guaranteed contracts in that he wasn't going, Oh, Hey, over here, you're going to make X amount of money. Didn't have that to offer. Didn't offer that. It was come on in here. This is what I'd like to do. Is this something you're interested in? And talent came in and did it. Let's talk about the next in your house. Diesel's back in the main event. Uh, Brett's going to beat diesel in a cage match here in 1913. Uh, Meltzer just continues to beat up diesel, even forgetting the confines of the match. Diesel looked slow and unimpressive and heart lacked fire. It picked up in the last few minutes and had a great finish as diesel was about to go out the door to win undertaker came from under the ring and grabbed his foot and dragged him under the ring and special effects of smoke under the ring went through the ring Hart then escaped the cage to win, but came out of the show once again, as a second tier star underneath undertaker, diesel, Michaels, and Vader. Diesel then climbed back from under the ring with his pants torn and climbed the cage, running away from the undertaker to show that he was afraid of him. Ironically, after being largely cheered during the match, diesel was almost 100% booed afterwards star and a half. There's a lot of, uh, rumor and innuendo around this match, especially when putting the match together backstage. What do you remember about the, uh, the stunt of undertaker being under the, under the ring? And I think you've told that story before, but the legend of Brett not being happy with something they're trying to put together in the match and the undertaker sort of snapping. Yeah. And again, I wasn't there for that, but I I think that overall to me, I think that this was some of the best work of devil of devil of diesel's career. Yeah. So I thought the match was good. It told a great story. And this was the diesel that I wish we had had, you know, the year before. So as far as his work and as far as what, he was doing at this time, I thought his work was tremendous. The stuff with undertaker coming through the ring. Love that. And that's one where (laughs) Kevin even had the idea of going under the ring and spray painting his hair gray and coming out with his, you know, his head completely gray after being under the ring with the undertaker. What the hell did he see? Whatever he saw, it turned his hair gray and scared him to death. Um, I love that idea. God damn too hokey. Um, oh, well, chat me. I up. thought it was good. I thought the, I thought the whole angle and everything about it was good. Hey, did you go to geico.com yet? Meltzer would continue, um, that perhaps warriors coming in because diesel and Ramon and internally, you guys may have feared other guys may be leaving. So if you're about to potentially lose some star power. You need to make some concessions and get some star power back. 
Did that play into Vince's rationale for being interested in talking to warrior again here in 96, the idea that he might be losing some guys. We were already negotiating with warrior long before we were new. We were losing guys. Let's talk about, uh, this WCW rumor. Uh, this is from the March 4th issue of the observer diesel. The other half of the two, some wildly rumored all week to be WCW bound also missed the weekend shows with a degree of controversy, somewhat attached. Diesel suffered a combination separated and fractured shoulder, apparently early in the in your house cage match against Bret Hart. The injury may partially or totally explain the poor quality of that match compared with previous matches. The two have had. Diesel did swing an ax pretty good the next night in the angle where he destroyed undertaker's casket and also worked against Bob Holly, but didn't work the superstars taping the next night where they were scheduled to hold the first triple threat match involving himself, Brett and undertaker in Virginia. Diesel was said to have been unhappy with that headline program, even though it figured to be a big draw in that match. Diesel was pulled due to the injury and Hart wrestled undertaker for the title with diesel's interference leading to undertaker getting pinned. It was expected that similar endings were planned for the weekend with a series of shows at Continental Arena, uh, formerly the Meadowlands, the Pittsburgh Civic Center, and the Gund Arena in Cleveland. Diesel was expected to appear at those shows, uh, be announced as injured, and then get involved in the match, and one would assume in the finishes, allowing Brett to retain the title. However, Diesel refused to make the bookings, leading to Goldust getting involved in East Rutherford and Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So chat me up. Uh, it looks like the wheels are coming off the diesel express here. He's not happy and he's hurt. And this is a reason to not appear, but you've often said here on the show, if you're advertised, you make the show, even if it's just to go out and wave, right? Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. I think that that's, you know, treating your audience with respect and doing what you need to do. And I think that Kevin just didn't, didn't want to do it. What, what do you remember about, um, and I know this seems silly for us to double down on, but I am curious, why do you think Kevin Nash wasn't interested in a triple threat concept? Why did he not, do you know, did you ever speak to him about that? Cause it is an early thing. No, I never spoke to him. It was said he was hurt. Didn't want to do it. Okay, great. Next. I, I if you know, you, you want to get into the head of of Kevin Nash, that's probably a pretty freaky place to be. But, uh, I think that at the end, if he, if he did indeed have a deal, then it's like, why am I going to hurt myself here and jeopardize what I'm going to do down there? I'm just saying it feels like it's written that he didn't like the idea of a triple threat. Is that because the money would be cut three ways? I don't know. I just, I I don't believe that. Um, Maybe he did. Uh, Again, I don't know. I never spoke to him about it. However, I would say that the mindset of him is like, why would I go in and get hurt? And if I am hurt, why would I take any risk and injure myself further? It's okay. You can admit it. You're skeptical about all my commercials about SaveWithConrad.com. So was Nathan in Fairfield, Pennsylvania. He left us a five-star review over at conradreviews.com, and here's what he had to say. I've been hearing the ads for Save with Conrad on his podcast network for years, but I was skeptical about it being able to benefit me. Boy, was I wrong. The process was quick, easy, and has put my family in a better place. The service delivers all that is promised, quick and easy, as advertised. That's really what we do, Nathan, and thank you for your business. We greatly appreciate it at savewithconrad.com. Right now, we can save your family just like we did Nathan's. Skeptics are allowed and welcome 
But if you've got a 30 year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, there's never been a better time to take advantage of this opportunity than right now. What we're talking about is saving tens of thousands of dollars from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to get dressed up in a three piece suit for a two hour appointment across town with a banker. Check it out right now. Save with Conrad.com. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But what you're really getting is the peace of mind of knowing that you've got the best deal for your family with my family at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Come on, let's take a summer vacation from house payments at savewithconrad.com. Um, Meltzer would continue later at press time. The future of diesel also 36 and the WWF is speculative. The dressing room gossip was leaning towards the idea that he was also WCW bound as he also has a family and the WCW combination of guaranteed long-term money and easier travel schedule is more family friendly rumors have been that they're offering, depending upon who you believe anywhere from four fifty to seven fifty per year for a three-year guaranteed deal to make the jump and go in as a heel and work a program against Hogan which naturally would be the top angle in the company. Unlike the Scott Hall deal, this isn't considered as virtual of a lock and more simply that the odds are better than 50%. He'll make the jump. He's also been unhappy about his role in the WBF since the decision was made to take the title from him last year. And as of right now, the expectations were that we didn't know if diesel would be back in time for MSG on March 17th, instead of just waiting to find out. The WWF made the announcement at the East Rutherford show that the card was being changed to diesel and Sean against Brett and undertaker. Uh, and now it's going to be Brett versus Sean and Goldust versus the undertaker. So they're making the change. Even if he can appear at, at this point, had you sort of already understood that, Hey, he's playing it like he's not leaving, but he's leaving. I was, <laughs> you know, um, Again, I just looked, you, you can read the tea leaves and read the writing on the wall. And I did not have the confidence that, uh, the diesel was even remotely thinking about staying. So to me, you know, next, I think that there was, uh, some hope and probably a feeling on Vince's part that no, 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 he'll come around. Everything will be all right. Do you think, um, Kevin sort of slow rolled it. I mean, it's even written here that diesel's window to give notice on his contract automatically renewing for one year was to end at the end of this week. So it feels like he's holding out until the very last minute. Is that just because he dreads disappointing Vince and telling him no, or do you think maybe he's hoping something will change and he'll be happier creatively, or maybe Vince will come make some concession. Why do you think he waited until the last possible minute? I think he didn't want to tell Vince. Yeah. That's, that's my thinking. I don't know. Well, it happens. Uh, Kevin Nash officially gave notice that he would be leaving the world wrestling federation to accept the offer from world championship wrestling in a phone call to Vince McMahon at 10 50 AM on March 5th. How fascinating is that when they pinpoint the time? I'm sure, I'm sure Dave was on the other line. I'm sure Dave was right there with the exact, you know, probably time stamped it because he's he's there in everything. He knows everything. He's all knowing. He's a genius. He fucking gets everything right. 
Have you, ever, have you ever done, which, which you know, of course I get sent to me all there. Have you ever done that deep dive? You know, like we do deep dives and a certain thing. We, we need to do, this is what we need to do. No. We need to do a deep dive on Dave Meltzer no, 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 and, no, 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 no. and the percentage of times that no. he was actually correct versus the times where he made up everything and was completely fucking wrong. And then probably find out that he's wrong 98% of the time. I think you're 98% wrong in saying that Scott Hall. No, I'm 100% correct in saying that because most of the shit he makes up or he guesses. How would you know? I do know no. because I do know when he, when he writes his little shit, you don't know you weren't there. 100% fucking wrong. When he talks about meetings that I'm in <laughs> and Dave's not there and there's only two other people in the room, they, there's no fucking way that he was there and that what he says was discussed and or said is not even remotely close to factual. I wasn't even there. And that motherfuckers never stepped foot inside of a meeting with Vince McMahon. When we were discussing any of this shit has never been in a creative meeting on this side of the table. He's never been in business. Think about this. He's never been in the business. He's never had any other business other than write gossip and make shit up. And since he was the only guy doing it, came across and became the wrestling journalist and the expert of shit that nobody else could ever fucking verify and or deny. That's who he is. Psst. Hey, go to guygo.com. As a reminder, Scott Hall gave notice on February 20th. What time did he give the notice? <sighs> Was it telephone, telegraph, or telewrestler? Nash is scheduled to start back with the WBF on March 15th after missing a few weeks with a separated and fractured shoulder. An inner office memo sent in the WBF by Linda McMahon stated that there would be no change in previously scheduled bookings involving Nash. It will continue to work for the company through June 6, 1996. Do you remember Vince making an attempt to change his mind? I, I would definitely bet that he did. I wasn't involved in any of those. So unlike Dave Meltzer, I'm not going to say that that definitely happened because I wasn't involved in any of them, but I'm sure he did. I, I would not be surprised if he did. Hypothetically, what do you think that? context of that conversation would look like is it about you know we're gonna we're gonna get back around creatively or you know we'll see if we can you know create some new revenue opportunities or you don't want to leave here they don't know what to do with a guy like kevin nash do you have any idea what that pitch sounds like no i don't i think that more than anything it would be an attempt to find out you know what's more attractive on the other side that you don't have here and is there a way that we could correct that is there a way that we could create what it is that you're looking for here I mean, that's, that's how I would approach it based on, you know, and that's how I think Vince would approach it based on how he's approached other similar situations. So it's not all bad news here, by the way, Brett and undertaker team up to take on Sean and diesel at that March 17th, Madison square garden show. And it's the first sellout for a non-pay-per-view event. Again, it's described as in so many years, nobody can remember the last one. It also set an all-time gate record for a house show. So on diesel's way out, it feels like things are starting to heat up. It's interesting how sometimes, cause really there's no new signings, right? We just reshuffled the deck and fans are all over it. 
Yeah, and you know, you kind of shored up the creative and did some different things. And you know, it's it's funny the the comment about you know the last time it sold out that no one can even remember because you know again from his proficient oh, business Jesus. experience that he doesn't realize that within our books we have all the dates and all of the houses for like the last couple of years in our books literally so we know what the trends are in each and every market so yeah of course he's factual here because he couldn't remember He's trying to put it over, but okay. Uh, WrestleMania well, but by saying, you know, some of yours, no, no one can remember. We certainly could remember those of us actually in the business doing the business. He couldn't remember because he makes so much shit up. He can't remember his lies. WrestleMania 12 undertaker pin diesel in 1646 with a tombstone. We just recently talked about this match in the WrestleMania 12 episode. So I don't know that there's much more to talk about, but if you want to know more about that match, please go check out WrestleMania 12 in the archives. It's something to wrestle.com. Uh, Meltzer would say the WWF took excellent advantage of its largest raw audience ever with one of its best shows ever. The company shot angles to heat up the upcoming Shawn Michaels versus diesel and warrior versus Goldust matches on pay-per-view on April 28th. They also built further into the future for an eventual pay-per-view with Vader versus Yoko that'll likely take place in May or June and Ahmed versus Davey, which should be a house show program. So it's interesting that diesel and razor are leaving. Things are getting hot. Was there a thought to try and keep the band together at this point on TV and just make the most out of the ratings or these days, would you just probably ease them off TV? You know, I think the, the idea was to ease them off TV and move on more than anything else. Um, they're both going to finish up Meltzer believes on May 19th. I believe that after the pay-per-view and TV tapings, they're both going to work Baltimore, Philly, and the Madison square garden house show run from the 17th to the 19th. And that's it. Um, and he also says there's no truth to any rumors that Ramon wanted to stay and was turned down. That's probably the well, whole, uh, he's well, just hang on here again, rumors and him being wrong. Um, I think Scott didn't want to leave. Yeah. Scott definitely didn't want to leave. And up until the last minute, you know, Scott did come back with, well, if you did this, you would, you know, if you could guarantee me money and you could do this. And you, so Scott was pitching up until he left. I don't think Kevin was, I, I don't recall Kevin doing that, but, but Scott did cause Scott actually pitched me and any pitch events. Um, and we couldn't, you know, just couldn't do that just for them at that time. Let me spell it for you. G E I C O.com. That's Geico.com. We just talked about Sean and diesel putting on an incredible performance at in your house in Omaha. Check that out in the archives from uh, last month or earlier this month, but here's where we're starting to get to the nitty gritty. The final appearances of diesel and razor in the WWF came in a strange curtain call finale of the click. Before the first indoor non-pay-per-view house, uh, in WWF history to top $300,000 on May 19th, the garden's second straight sellout. The first time it's happened in 11 years of 18,800 fans paying this. Okay. Okay. That weekend, the, the last dates that they were, that they were with us. And I believe we were in Philadelphia 
and maybe Baltimore, Philadelphia. I, I don't recall. I'm pretty damn sure that one of them was Philadelphia and the garden being the last one. Uh, we were on that tour. Uh, Pat and I were going on it anyway, and Vince ended up, you know, riding with us and we went and, and made all of those live events. And I would have to say that those last three events where Kevin and Scott were, was probably the, the most fun I ever had with those two guys where they were in absolute great spirits. They were easy to get along with, easy to do business with, um, and fun. So it, 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 in up in, up until what you're going to discuss here in a minute, uh, th- there was even a part of me going, you know what, man? I'm almost a little sad they're leaving if we could have these guys <laughs> all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, the, the Garden's second straight sellout here, 319 grand. Uh, many were saying it's the best MSG show since WrestleMania 10. Uh, and here's the write-up: Both Diesel and Ramon, in their final appearances before starting with WCW in mid-June, were the recipient of "You Sold Out" and "Please Don't Go" chants by a decent percentage of the crowd that seemed to know it was their final show. Ramon was booed in his match with Hunter, and heavily booed with a loud "You Sold Out" chant after he did the job. After the match, he grabbed the house mic, and before he could get more than a few words out, panicked WWF officials since this wasn't part of the show. Cut the power. As it was, all Ramon ended up saying was something to the effect of say goodbye to the bad guy. However, it wasn't over for the bad guy just yet. After a very strong main event cage match where Shawn Michaels beat diesel to keep the title, it was time for the curtain call. Michaels had won the match by walking out of the cage after laying diesel out with a super kick. And after the match, Michaels kissed diesel who revived like a frog kissed by the princess and the two hugged in the ring. Diesel got a lot more cheers during the match than most would have figured. Although Michaels was still the most popular wrestler on the show, Ramon and fellow click member Helmsley then came to the ring and the four got on all four posts and gave the click signals to the fan fans. Some of whom were teary eyed saying it's one of the best moments of wrestling in Madison square garden in years. Supposedly the final display wasn't approved by WWF officials, but it got over great with the audience. So little will probably result from it. However, there were other wrestlers who were very unhappy at what they considered a kayfabe violation, particularly since Helmsley was in the ring, hugging, hugging Ramon and diesel had just finished a match with Michaels and magically arose from a finishing move by being kissed. The other click member, one, two, three kid wasn't at this show as his future with the company is somewhat in question after he showed up at the superstars taping in no condition to perform and won't be back until June at the earliest. So a lot to unpack here. It is interesting quote. So little will probably result from it. And depending on who you believe that's not the case, take us back to this. Oh, so talked about moment. I hated it. Uh, I absolutely hated it. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about it until it actually happened. When the guys went out, I'm kind of like, what the fuck? And, uh, we, you know, Sean went down and did the kiss and diesel popped up and they all hugged and they started going around the ring and, um, we left. So I, that's all I saw. Did you guys go to, uh, 
one of those steakhouse dinners that were famous after MSG? And if so, what was the tone and tenor of that? I don't know. I, I think we went out and ate afterwards, but, uh, I know Jim Cornette was with us and he was not happy. I wasn't happy. Vince wasn't happy. And, um, but it's, you can bitch about it and bitch about it all you want. It was done. That point, what are you going to do? Fire him. I want to mention too, the, this last tour of duty here, this last string of house, ma- house show matches, uh, it's headlined by Sean versus diesel. And usually it's with the British bulldog interfering, but there was a Hershey show and he he's Kevin Nash is refusing saying, I'm not going to do a double shot. So on that show, Davey boy worked against Sean. You know, you said going into the weekend, you wish, oh, we could have these guys hang out more often. Was part of you got, or what was part of the crew behind the scenes, just sort of exhausted with all this, like just fucking go already. Yes, I think so. Okay. Uh, well, listen, we know what's going to happen. They're going to go, uh, down South, set the NWO on fire and, uh, really supercharge the business for a few years. But there's always a whisper and a rumor that, Hey, Kevin Nash might be coming back to the WWF. Do you remember there ever being serious conversations when he was with WCW that, Hey, we might be getting Kev back. Not to my knowledge at all. That doesn't mean there weren't, but I never, to my knowledge, I never heard that. Uh, Kevin Nash in the, uh, WWE, uh, when we're going to see him back, we did a whole NWO in the WWE episode in the archives. Uh, so if you want to hear more about his NWO in the WWE run, go check that one out. But I do want to talk about, uh, Nash after the NWO and tearing his quad because it is a shame to see, um, April 21st, 2003, uh, it's in the observer that we've got a, a spot here to chat me up about the injury, what the plans were. It felt like the whole thing at this point, the NWO and the WWE was just snake bit. Did it not? Yeah, boy, it did. Um, it wasn't a couple of things. I, I, I think that with the whole NWO angle in WWE, I think it would have been better had Bischoff been involved in it and Bischoff be the one to bring them in, uh, in a little bit different way. Um, you know, I mean, since Jr. signed everybody from Jack Briscoe to Harley race, Dusty Rhodes and Carl Gotch, um, that, uh, maybe I, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I, I, it was, it was snake bit is probably the best way to put it, but yeah, I couldn't get, couldn't get Eric in at that time. And Eric wasn't interested in, in doing it. And I think that would have helped it. Maybe that's a reason it could be that all night gas station that opened up and, and was selling bad Slurpees, uh, and just fucked to people's mind that they didn't like it. It just, it, 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 it was off about three steps, not even just a half a step. It was off about three steps and felt weird. It felt forced. It's your weekly reminder to make sure that you are taking advantage of all things Conrad over at adfreeshows.com. The content library is phenomenal with so many options that cater to you, the wrestling fan. Whether you enjoy hearing your favorite podcasts ad-free or watching them on your smart device, 
Maybe you're interested in MMA or just enjoy the wrestling nostalgia. I guarantee there is something for you. The interactive experiences alone are worth every penny. From Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa to legends like Nikita Koloff, Arn Anderson, and Jim Ross. They have all been a part of our live interactive events where you get to talk to them and ask the questions that are on your mind. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to adfreeshows.com and choose the right tier for you. So much value and a wide selection that is free as well. That's right. Free content you can start enjoying today. So do it now. Go to adfreeshows.com and sign up today and join the fastest growing wrestling community. Again, it's adfreeshows.com. Let's talk about Kevin Nash in this era backstage. It's been reported that that whole Goldberg Jericho dustup all stemmed from Kevin Nash, supposedly stirring the shit. Here's the report. Get out. Goldberg was talking to Nash earlier in the night about his angle where Nash was going to power bomb Jericho and Goldberg made a comment about Jericho selling, which naturally got back to Jericho. It's believed that either Nash told Jericho or more likely that Shane Helms overheard the conversation and went to Jericho. Jericho then confronts Goldberg. Hey, we're no longer in WCW and they have their altercation. So Meltzer himself can't confirm that it's Nash, but right or wrong, Kevin Nash did earn. And and he even brags about the fact that he had a reputation for stirring shit up. It was entertaining for him. How big of a pain in the ass was this when he's back with the company here? Oh, I think, I mean, that's Kevin's nature. That's what Kevin does. Kevin likes to have fun. And Hey, did you hear, um, you know, true or not? I don't know if this was Kevin that did this. Um, but you know, whatever it got around pretty quick and got back to Jericho pretty quick that, you know, you got something to say, say it to my face and the rest, as I say, is history. There was talks in the, uh, online in this era that Kevin Nash was going to become diesel. He's going to assume the diesel character again. And Kevin Nash claimed in a WWE.com interview that the plans for him to come back with the diesel name were changed because even a week after dying his hair, it was coming back gray. And he didn't think diesel should have gray hair. Uh, quote, sounds like as silly a reason as any, he still debuted with his diesel fist mannerism that he has, he was banned from doing in WCW and the old diesel music. WWE had sent out advertising the different arenas for upcoming appearances of Nash, calling him diesel and not Nash, even as late as the weekend who loved the idea of diesel and why ultimately were you guys non-committal and, and didn't really pull the trigger on it. I don't remember during this time frame of, of wanting to bring him back as diesel. There was talk about, um, who's more over. Kevin Nash or Diesel on their own, and the feeling was to this audience it would be Diesel. Um, then the whole NWO thing came up, and it was NWO, and in the NWO he was Kevin Nash. Did you have a preference that you thought would have worked better here? Um, I agree with that. If it was in the NWO, it would be Nash. I'm just saying now that the NWO thing is, is done and it's dying a death, but he can't, but again, for the same reason, I didn't like referring to diesel as Kevin Nash when he, you know, from Tennessee, goddamn basketball player, uh, that 
Wait, I get what you're saying. You're saying I didn't want to go back and forth there. Here, Kevin Nash. Now he's back to Diesel because that's. But in your opinion, Kevin Nash was more successful than Diesel. So why would you go back and talk about something that wasn't as successful? No, no, because in the end, Diesel I think was extremely successful in WWE. I'm just saying that when you bring someone back as Kevin Nash, and then you're going to reinvent them back to Diesel. <sighs> Uh, the blooms off that rose. Kevin Nash returns to the ring on April 12th, 2003, teaming with Shawn Michaels and Booker T to take on triple a trick flair and Chris Jericho at a house show. It's Michael's first house show in five years. Uh, this is kind of a cool deal, right? You're getting the whole band back together. Kevin Nash, Sean, triple H all in the same ring. And of course they're tight with Booker T from WCW and Jericho, sort of the same thing. And of course we know Sean and triple H really look up to Ric Flair. It seems like we're at least trying to have fun with some of this booking. Absolutely. And you, you got your biggest stars in one match. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of fun. Are you feeling like given how things have been snake bit with the NWO and now Kevin's been hurt, uh, now that he's finally back, it's like, it feels like you might be sort of like a GM with that first round draft pick quarterback. You're like, well, we're paying him all this money. We got to get something out of him. Did you feel like, man, we haven't gotten our return on investment. We need to figure something out quickly. I'm not sure that we ever got the return on that investment. When did you start to realize maybe it's time to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak? I, I think that, you know, when the injuries started coming up again, I see. Well, let's talk about backlash show three. It's Flair, triple H and Jericho on one side, Booker T, Kevin Nash and Sean on the other. Meltzer would say the match was supposed to focus on Nash versus triple H to build them up. And everyone else's role was supposed to be secondary. Everyone sold big for Nash who at least wasn't exposed or turned on Flair had Michaels in the figure four while Jericho used a lion salt on him. Jericho got the walls up or got the walls on, but Nash saved Michaels. Uh, Nash gave Jericho the snake eyes, ref bump, Nash power bombs, Jericho and triple H hits Nash with a sledgehammer for the pin. So triple H is pinning him in uh, a few minutes here, 17 minutes and 51 seconds, two and a half stars. You know, it's been written Lord, There's been tons of speculation. Kevin Nash didn't like to lose. Did he have a problem losing to Hunter? Not to my knowledge. Never said anything to me at all. So now we're going to try Kevin Nash in that singles position for the world title at judgment day. Oh, three against triple H it goes to a DQ when uh, Hunter hits the referee Earl Hebner with a sledgehammer. They only go seven minutes and 49 seconds. Sean and Ric Flair were scheduled to be in the participants corners, but they're ejected for brawling before the opening bell. And after the bout Nash drops triple H with snake eyes on the exposed turnbuckle and then hits the power bomb. But then everybody comes out. Sergeant Slaughter, Terry Taylor, Tony Gurria, the referees, and they're all holding, uh, trying to help the champion backstage, but Nash is going to jump him, fight off flair, shove Michaels away and hit the power bomb on triple H through the raw announce table near the entrance way. Meltzer gave all of this a dud, but you know, it was big on story and it had some, some, some high spots. What'd you think of this? Did you, were you happy with it? Did it earn the dud rating? No, I, I think what the, the dud rating is just Dave looking in the mirror, maybe at all of his wrestling escapades, you know, back when he was on top, where was that? Did you like triple H? And, where was uh, Dave ever on top working to critique people and 
anyway. Uh, no, I thought it, I thought it was okay. It wasn't great. Wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. What are you looking for? You know, I know that seems silly, but sometimes you have different people in different spots for different reasons. Let me explain. When the ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan were on top, we're not exactly expecting them to put on the same type of performance that we would an Eddie Guerrero or Chris Benoit or Kurt angle. But this feels like, you know, triple H is trying to go out there and have the big time WWF main event. Kevin Nash may have been more of a presence in a promo. Uh, when did you identify or how or were you having trouble identifying what's the best I guess to use an appraisal term, what's the highest and best use of Kevin Nash for us at this point is an attraction. Yeah. Uh, simply is an attraction. I, don't, I, from day one, you're never looking for a 42 star in the Tokyo dome match out of Kevin Nash. Right. You're looking for Kevin to be that big fucking attraction. And I think Kevin is capable of doing that. He was in, and uh, always was. Bad blood. We're back, but this time we, uh, we're doing a hell in a cell and, uh, Mick Foley gets a bigger pop than either guy coming out according to Meltzer. Uh, but they pull out all the stops, including a toolbox, a hammer, a hammer to the head. Uh, people are bleeding. Uh, it's a spectacle three and a half or sorry, three and a quarter stars. But in the end, triple H pins, Kevin Nash again. Um, what'd you think? Hell in a cell. It feels like at this point. We're trying to force this into being a successful feud. And I'm not sure that fans are all the way with it. Let's say you, I think they were. And I think that, you know, again, for what it was, you're looking at an attraction and you're looking at, okay, what's this going to look like and put a couple guys out there and the payoff to this. I thought, I thought it was good. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. Um, okay. Let's, let's, let's move on. But before we do, I, I want to ask about Kevin Nash and his, uh, physical situation. If we think there's a concern with his injuries and whatnot, do we want him to be power bombing people off of ramps and working in hell in a cell matches? Does any of that come into play or is it just a matter of, Hey, either he can do it or he can't. We're going to find out. You, you have to take people at their word. And if someone tells you that, you know, they're feeling good and there aren't any problems, any, you know, obvious problems under examination, then you've got to take people for the word. Yeah, I can do it. And they show they can do it. So there's, you can have a feeling all day long, but you have to, you know, get to the point of, is there anything physically wrong with them? No, there's not. Is there anything that would prevent them from doing this? No, there's not. Then you go to them. Are you comfortable doing this? And and if everyone is comfortable doing it and everyone is confident, then you, you have to go with that. I want to remind everybody that, uh, this bad blood show here, (laughs) it's, uh, it's right before test wrestles, Kevin Nash. That's on uh, July 7th. So test beats Kevin Nash with a boot to the face in a minute and 47 seconds after pushing an interfering Trish Stratus into Nash. And of course, after the bout test pushed Trish into the ringside barrier, but still test over Nash in under two minutes. I don't know that I would have ever called that. Well, again, you look at, you know, the future 
and test with someone that had youth and looking at possibly doing something with him. The uh, July 28th, 2003 raw, we would see Kevin Nash defeat Chris Jericho by disqualification after an impromptu match following a low blow. And then after the match, Nash is going to bloody and brutalize Jericho inside the ring and around the ringside area. Eventually Jericho escapes through the crowd. How was their relationship at this point? It feels like once upon a time, Nash probably wasn't well thought of by Chris Jericho, the whole vanilla midgets thing, but it feels like once they're here in the company and especially these days, they're on a whole new wavelength. Again, man, I look holding grudges and shit like that. Business is business. And to my knowledge, there was no bad blood at all. There was business. April, April 4th, 2003 Goldberg defeats Ric Flair by DQ when Randy Orton interferes. And after the match, a brawl ensues, including evolution, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Goldberg, and Chris Jericho. And then Steve Austin comes out to announce the new main event for SummerSlam is all men, all six men in an elimination chamber match. So again, even though Tess just beat him on TV, he's back in the main event. It's good for him. Uh, Rob Van Dam is going to pin Chris Jericho with a split legged moonsault. And after the bout, Jericho is going to blame the earlier brawl with Kevin Nash on his loss. And, uh, he's going to challenge Nash to a hair versus hair match. Boy, this is, uh, some old school booking. What do you remember about that? I remember that Nash needed a haircut for the movie that he was doing. So let's make something out of it. Yeah, but I'll tell you how I personally felt about it. Same way that I felt that, uh, the, uh, Jeff Jarrett and one, two, three kid, uh, hair match was a compete complete piece of shit. Madison square garden many years before that, you know, you, you cut Jeff's hair and gave him a better looking haircut than the haircut he had before. Same thing with Kevin. You cut his hair. He looks better than he did with all the fucking long hair. It's supposed to embarrass um, him, not, him not improve him. To yeah. be a hair match is you shave people bald, right? Not just give them a better haircut. Can we get so, you to, to do a hair match one day? Me and you. What's that? Can me and you do a hair match one day? Sure. I mean, I ain't doing no job. <laughs> what if I got Dr. Tom to hold you down and get revenge? I wouldn't have a choice really. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Didn't I mean, you, I'll do it for the payday. Didn't you, you start know, this show? No like, mistake hmm. about it whatsoever. But you're a four-time karate black belt hall of famer. What can Dr. Tom, has he five time? Why are you scared of him? Cause he's scary. So Jericho wins the hair versus hair match. Uh, there's some brass knuckles involved and, uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, SummerSlam 03. It's triple H Shawn Michaels, Bill Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Randy Orton, and Chris Jericho in an elimination chamber match. What a star studded affair that is. They go 19 minutes and 15 seconds. And, uh, ultimately, you know, what's coming. Triple H pins Goldberg after avoiding the spear, hits him in the face with a sledgehammer that was thrown in the ring. And then after the bout, Flair, Orton, and Triple H bloody Goldberg, handcuffing him to the cage so Triple H could once again hit him in the head with a sledgehammer. So Triple H is victorious. Uh, Meltzer would call this a burial of Kevin Nash on his way out. And this is the last pay-per-view main event of Kevin Nash's career. Did you know what was going on with Kevin at this point that, hey, he's leaving to make this movie and this is probably it? No, it wasn't. I mean, from our vantage point, it wasn't probably going to be it. 
we knew he was going away to make the movie. That's why we cut his hair. Well, he disappears, uh, from the WWE, at least for now, he films the Punisher. He films the longest yard and, uh, he returns at the Royal rumble in 2011. So like eight years later, uh, and TNA had been pushing him Returned his diesel. Didn't he? Yes. And then you got to work with him, uh, as Kevin Nash down in TNA, but for like two shows, maybe his WWE run here though, sort of the second act. When he comes back as Kevin Nash, we've, we've detailed the whole NWO run, but when we try him as singles, it just doesn't really pick up any momentum. Had the business changed? Had the company changed? Had he not changed? What was different about Kevin Nash's second act with the company? I think the audience changed and there wasn't as much bleed over from the old WCW that was into the outsiders in the NWO. There wasn't as much. Uh, bleed over. They were vocal, kind of like the ECW crowd, but there just weren't as many of them that really came over to support that. And, you know, times change. People change. Their tastes change. Um, you know, you go back, you go back to the, to the heyday of, of the click. And, um, those guys weren't the most fun to work with. Uh, however, you know, you get Kevin Nash, you sit there with a bottle of wine and Kevin Nash and have a few drinks at the bar, or you get Kevin just sitting back watching the monitor TV. Hard not to like that guy. I mean, he's really fucking, he's, he's a funny, charming son of a bitch. I like Kevin Nash. Well, we hope that you like Ahmed Johnson because he's going to be our topic next week right here on something to wrestle. But before we get out of here, we've got a bunch of questions. There's no way we'll get to all of them. Let's do some rapid fire here. Bruce, are you ready? Okay. Ringside. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a, that's an inside joke to one of my listeners. Ringside rent Jones says, what reason did Vince have for not giving diesel the money he wanted before leaving for WCW? Wasn't warranted. Do you own your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you rent your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you have a car? Go to Geico.com. Want to save some money? Go to Geico.com. Brandon wants to know what is Bruce's take on Kevin Nash saying that his edgy character towards the end of his WWF run was the precursor to the stone cold character. I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, the attitude was, uh, Mr. Spanks wants to know, was Sean feeling any type of resentment of Nash getting the title? After all, Sean had been there for years and never gotten the big belt. I don't think so. Uh, Joey wants to know why didn't diesel ever get a marquee victory as champion. Sean was his biggest victory, but no one bought that. It was Sean's time yet. He never beat Brett taker or Lex on top. He beat Mabel. How how much bigger do you want to get in fairness? though, bigger than all the motherfuckers probably put together. I know we make fun of, you know. Oh, wins and losses don't matter. Blah, blah, blah. I get that. But I do think it's interesting that you sometimes have said when you're talking about pushing Bret Hart, what would we do if it was Sean? Well, I mean, for Hulk, what would we do for Hulk, but yeah, Hulk beat everybody, but Nash didn't get to beat Brett Taker or Lex. Interesting. He beat Brett. When did he beat Brett? I don't know. He beat Brett though. I think he's talking about as a, a, you know, SummerSlam WrestleMania 
type event. Anyway, Mike well, there's says, only so many SummerSlams and WrestleMania per year. I love, why didn't you put this guy over? You put that guy over. Why, why didn't you put the other guy over? Fucking is subjective. What would you rather us talk about on these shows? Cause you're irritated with everything today. I, I am irritated with everything today. Well, I mean, what, what should I, we have talked? Did I not warn you? Yes. I sent you a fucking warning. Did I not? You did. But then you started off in a good mood and it quickly went did downhill. I, did, did I? It, it was like, I, I mentioned Meltzer and it just changed your whole mood. Why are you so gotten to changes my mood? Because he's a liar. He makes shit up and he's, he's regarded as the end all be all. When, if you dig down deep and really, we need to do that. I, no. I'll do I tell you, I'll do the research on it and I'll fucking turn the tables on you. Hey, Conrad, isn't this what Meltzer said, but isn't this what actually happened? I want to do that show. Why though? But nobody cares. Oh, well, apparently they do since he's our goddamn expert. All right. Well, let me ask you then, Bruce, since you're taking issue with the idea that I use Meltzer for our research, who should I use? Because I like, no, it's good because then I can get the real story out there. That's what I'm trying to do, but you're mad about it. No, I'm not mad about it. I just don't care for him. I don't care for his, I don't care for his, his lack of intelligent reporting and the way that he frames things. All right. Here's another one from Mike. Was it more challenging for you to have to deal with this collection of talent all seemingly together to dictate their direction? Or was it welcome in the sense that you had more ambitious talent willing to aggressively offer ideas? Of course, Mike is referring to the click there. Um, I always love talent to have aggressive ideas and offer ideas. It's the talent to sit back and say, what have you got for me? Or I don't like that. Okay. What would you suggest? And they have nothing. I'd rather have guys bringing shit to us than not bringing shit to us every day of the week. Michael says, had diesel been brought in a few years earlier, do you believe he would have made a good heel to be in a program with Hulk Hogan? Uh, if he'd been brought in during the Hogan heydays, absolutely. He would have been a great heel. And probably would have been a great baby face in that time too. It would have been tremendous to think of like diesel there in 91, 92. That could have been cool. Uh, James wants yeah. to know what's the best road story that Bruce has heard about diesel and the click. Hmm. I can't tell that. I can't tell the true best one. Um, why not? Oh, it, no, it's inappropriate. Okay. Um, I God, you know, you ask those kind of ones, like, Hey, what's the best ribs <laughs> and you can't think of any. And then 20 minutes later, I'll think of, Oh shit. I should have said that. So I, I don't really have one. All right, let's wrap this one up. we got one last question, and this is going to be one you got to think about before you immediately answer. Mr. Pritchard, you once said that the fans were behind Diesel until, quote-unquote, they changed him. In your professional opinion, does that same logic apply to John Cena and Roman Reigns? No, because it's it's... Apples and pomegranates. What I mean by fans behind Diesel is the character is a heel. They changed him. They is me. They is the creative. Uh, we changed him to a different role, changed his opponents, but then we changed the Diesel character. And in one sitting, he went from being Diesel to Kevin Nash playing the role of Diesel. Cena and Roman are just Cena and Roman. 
John Cena is John Cena. John Cena is not playing a character. He is a character. Roman's Roman. Next week, we're going to be talking about Ahmed Johnson. Well, believe it or not, he's been one of our more requested topics. Are you looking forward to talking about Ahmed next week? Well, it'll be a short one. Why is that? Not a lot to talk about. I mean, we got 95, 96 and 97, right? Maybe a little 98. Well, it'll be interesting. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's I'm uh, looking forward to it too, Conrad. So do you want to freestyle a guess as to when you think we might be able to get everybody together and click record? Uh, what time is it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe later on today. How about that? Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned so for later an- on today or Tuesday. One of the two. Okay. What do you think about that? Big boy. I'm, I'm shocked, happy, excited. Ready Pretty happily shocked. I'm happy. Your left cheek, dude. Your little left cheek just got red on that. That's cute. Because I can't believe I get to talk to you again, and you you fuss at me about Dave Meltzer a little longer. It's fun. Well, that's what we do. It is what we do. We'll see you next week, right here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. You weren't sure what to say there, were you? I got confused. Uh, we've been out of the habit lately, but it was nice catching up with you, buddy. It happens. Same thing. Right, go enjoy some alcohol and the rest of your Memorial day weekend. I got to eat. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, I got to say it one last time. I want to save you money. Stop what you're doing and rush over to SaveWithConrad.com. This is going to be the best summer ever. Just ask Miguel in Plainsville, Ohio. He left us a five-star review at ConradReviews.com, and it said this. Big thank you to Conrad and his team. I enjoyed my experience working with First Family Mortgage. Jimmy was there anytime I had any questions. He was just a text message away. Saving money and refinancing my home couldn't have been any easier. Miguel saving a whole bunch of cash, and you can too right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But I do want to mention, this isn't just for refinancing. Maybe you've outgrown your current home or you're tired of throwing your money away on rent. First Family Mortgage can help you get into your next house fast and easy. That's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come on, let's make this the best summer ever. With a little summer vacation from house payments. Let's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Woo! Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.